Southwestern family of companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, our diversely and amazingly accomplished guests share their insights and inspirations to help us ignite our own. So let's invest attention together to breathe, to reflect and refocus, and decisively defeat that voice we call Mr. Mediocrity. Then let's enjoy moving forward to make a positive difference in our world. Southwestern Advantage is about so much more than just helping your family with education. Our company is the nation's oldest entrepreneurial program, helping college and university students build character and develop the skills they need to achieve their goals in life. These are the kind of skills employers seek that cannot be taught in a classroom. Skills such as problem solving, effective personal communication with people from all walks of life, confidence, attitude, goal setting, and more. Since 1855, the Southwestern family of companies has invested in purpose-driven people who are inspired to build principle-guided businesses that impact the world. And for many, that purpose started with a summer at Southwestern Advantage. But this program isn't just about growing the young men and women whom you'll see in the community. It's also about growing your own son or daughter, and the educational resources they will bring to your home are second to none, with learning systems that address the whole child from preschool to 12th grade. Uniquely designed by top educators, these resources serve the modern needs of today's private, public, and homeschooled students. They're kid-approved, parent-preferred, and teacher-recommended. At Southwestern Advantage and the Southwestern Family of Companies, we invest in building people and inspire them to achieve their goals in life to positively impact the world. Learn more at southwesternadvantage.com slash action. Today's guest on the Action Catalyst has a very different perspective about the purpose of this entire broadcast. We know that we're all about overcoming mediocrity, getting ourselves into motion, and moving strongly in the direction of our goals. And most of us, when we think about moving strongly in the direction of our goals, we visualize ourselves walking or running. But what happens when we're not able to do any of those things that we've done throughout our lives? Today's guest is a very special young man who has an incredible perspective on exactly what the Action Catalyst is all about. His name is Jake Herning. It's spelled H-I-R-N-I-N-G. It's a name worth remembering because you'll learn more about him. He was a college student at the University of Montana in Missoula, and in November of 2014, he took a little break from his studies in nutrition and exercise science to go on an incentive trip that he'd won with his summer sales activities down to Mexico. And that's when everything changed. Jake, we're so delighted to have you on the Action Catalyst. Could you please take us back to November 2014 and share what happened on that day? And then we'll talk about what you've done since then. Uh, yeah, I can't. So uh, we were down in uh, Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and I ran off the beach and dove into about a 10-foot wave. Being from Montana, I had no idea what to expect from the ocean. But the wave had hit me and threw me head down into the sand and I broke my uh, C6 vertebrae, which left me paralyzed from the neck down. Essentially I could move. It was more the chest down. I could move my arms a little bit at that point, but it really was just a shock to my, my whole life in that moment. Um, and from there we went to San Antonio, Texas and I had surgery and then from there we did PT for, well, I'm still doing PT till this day. So almost four years later. Sure. And Jake, I, I imagine that it's, it's 
very difficult to just recount those moments. But I understand there were a couple of very powerful things that happened. One was the two Canadians that happened to be walking by the beach when your accident happened. Can, yes. can you share a little bit about that sequence? Yeah. So they, I was on the, the beach or basically in the water and the, the waves kept hitting me and pushing me back up onto the beach. And there are a couple little boys there who only spoke Spanish and I didn't know any Spanish besides Uno Mas Cerveza. So I was basically just waiting and thank God there was a couple and they were, yeah, there were Canadians. They were a first responder and a nurse and they were able to, to see me and be able to get me out of the water and hold, hold my neck. So I didn't have any more damage. And I mean, if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I'd be now, you know? Well, wherever they are, we want to thank them so tremendously much. Fortunately, the chairman of the board of our company was also on that trip, and he arranged a life flight to take you from Mexico to San Antonio, uh, where you had your first first of the surgeries. And then you were in that hospital for a number of weeks before you were able to be transferred. Yeah, we were we were there for I think it was four weeks, and it's I mean, if it wasn't for for him being there nothing would have went as smoothly as it did because we were able to get surgery within, I think it was nine hours of the injury from being in Mexico to San Antonio and just him helping with my, like my mom helping just really calm her down because everybody kind of thought I was dead essentially when they got the call that I had broken my neck. So it was great to have him there for support. And I mean, for everything else as well, it's great. Well, with big thanks to Henry Bedford, who is the chairman of Southwestern Family of Companies that made all that happen. Um, so, Jake, you were you were officially paralyzed from the neck down, but how much control did you have even on your arms? I know you had some sensation, but could you lift things and, and do it at that point? So when I was first first injured, I I could move my shoulders, so kind of a shrug, and then I could lift my hands up to my chest about. And I mean, I wasn't really able to, to feed myself at that point. I wasn't able to groom to even go to the bathroom. Like that was all nurses and doctors had to help with those things. So yeah, that's where I was right after the injury essentially. And Jake, not to, not to try to dig too deeply into what I know are, are difficult memories, but you had been a bodybuilder. You were focused on potentially becoming a professional bodybuilder. Yes. And then to find yourself barely able to lift your hands up to the level of your chest. What was going through your head at that time? Many people give up, and I know you must have felt some despair and a sense of that, but something in you kept you moving and kept you focused. Can you can you take us back to your memories of what was happening in your mind? Yeah, I I mean there was a pretty big moment of devastation that I, you know, I I lived through, I'd say through that whole hospital visit and uh it was just being scared, really. I just, I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know how to to do anything. And from being, yeah, from being a bodybuilder, it was huge because basically all of my confidence that I built up in my physical body was gone in that moment. And I've always had a, a very positive outlook and and a kind of a people, people pleaser atmosphere. So I would always try to keep those around me smiling. And that really helped me because there's so many people around me while I was 
in that situation that I was able to, to do that, like to please those people. And it made me feel good about myself, but really like I was to me, what's really incredible is that you couldn't, you couldn't move, but somehow you were able to visualize a future for yourself. Yeah. In the early days of that, it was hard to see what that was because it was also new, but I knew that this wasn't the end. And I know that I'm in control of my life. So I get, I get to choose. Obviously there are things that happen to us, but I get to choose how I process and perceive these moments. And they were, I mean, they really were good times because I, I really, from that devastation came out bringing my family closer together, all my friends and family, like seeing those people stick through and then helping them all meet up and be, be together more. It was like, there's such a great thing that came out of that as well as just personally, I've grown so much as a person. Like I don't depend on my physical being. I mean, health is huge for me, but I don't require a look to be confident anymore. I'm just confident in myself. Right. So you had to really dig deep and realize that there was so little you could control in the situation and, and instead focus on the things that you could control and avoid that sense of despair because you could just figure out what was the next step and try to take that step. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, it was definitely realizing that I was in, I'm in control of my life. Like everyone in their lives have things that happen to them, but you choose if it really defines you. It's absolutely incredible. Now, fast forwarding quite some time, I remember in January, but a bit more than a year after this all happened, you came to Nashville, you were a part of a big recruiting seminar, you had a chance to reconnect with people. And then a couple of months later, I was at the University of Colorado in Boulder, and you were there. And we were able to spend a little bit of time together talking and uh, racing across the campus. I have to say, it was really hard for me to keep up with you when you were in your chair. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, was, it was an adventure. And while we were there, you shared with me that some bodybuilders at a local gym, very ripped guys that would probably scare the rock away, had befriended you, kind of taken you under their wings, supported you and built you up as well. What's the role of, of finding people when we're in this situation as opposed to trying to cope with everything alone? Trying to take things on alone is, it's a prideful thing that is good to let go of, I think, because if there are people there who can help or relate or, cause I mean, I met with those guys and I met with a lot of other people like on my wheelchair rugby team and without them, I would be way less than where I am now just in like recovery and challenging myself. And as well as like Rick and all the guys at the gym, I mean, you want people, you, if you want to be away, the one of the, I think one of the best things to do is surround your people or surround yourself with people who are like that, who are what you want to be, who are positive, uh, driven, and they all have like a like-minded goal. That's, that's something that I've really embraced after my injury is surrounding yourself with great people. Yes. And, and you said a minute ago, your wheelchair rugby team. Tell us about that. Yeah. Yeah. So wheelchair rugby, that's my, um, I've been doing bodybuilding as like still just more of a, a maintenance and, I've never been a big sports guy until I started the wheelchair rugby team and like that team sport atmosphere. And that's what I, I'm actually striving for now is being an Olympic player on the, the USA team with 
there's four of our guys are on the Olympic team right now. And I mean, it's one of the, the best aggressive, like full contact sports that you could do in a wheelchair as a quadriplegic because you, there's no like limit. Like you can hit people with your chair, flip chairs. Like it's, it's pretty aggressive, but I mean, you can't punch people out or anything, but that's probably better <laughs> not to happen. But well, you're not supposed to do that in normal rugby either. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, it's a really good atmosphere though. Cause those guys are, they've all been anywhere from injured for a year or some of them 20 and then they can help like me in my situation being so new to it. They can really help you get a great perspective as well as like solve those problems that you're faced with daily. Absolutely. So surrounding ourselves with people that can help not only give guidance and comfort, but also inspire us and motivate us, I think is absolutely fantastic. Now you made a comment a second ago that I found was interesting. You said we have to let go of our wish to do everything on our own because that can be somewhat prideful. But I've also heard you say it's really important that we maintain pride. What, so how do you differentiate when a, a, a good feeling of pride versus when you feel like you become kind of prideful? Uh, I, you know, I'd say when you become prideful is when you kind of, you almost go out of your way to say, no, I'll do it myself. Like, so what I do is I'll use my pride when I'm on my own, when there's no one like that to help. It's like kind of a, this is actually a hard question. Let me, <laughs> I saw a YouTube video where you spoke about Pride is the ability to really just look yourself in the eye at the end of something and say, okay, I, I did what I, I did what I could. I, I met my own standard and that's a great feeling and that's self-sustaining. Yeah. Yeah. That is okay. Yeah. I forgot you watched my YouTube videos. It's perfect. Cause I, I did have a whole conversation about this. So yeah, it's when you, you know, if there's something that you're afraid to do that, it's like, well, I'll have somebody do that. It's like, well, that's not the defining moment. Like that's, that's when you should do it is when you're afraid to do it. But when it comes to like, if somebody's helping you just like comes up and, Hey, could I help like with the door? Like for me, like I can't always get doors very quickly. I'm like, yes. Like, and I'm not going, I'm not being mean to that person just to have my pride, you know? So letting people help and then when you feel when you feel challenged though taking that on you know got it because each each challenge prepares you for the next it's like a building block process right yeah exactly like when i was this last uh, week when i was in uh montana i'm trying to get enough confidence to go downstairs and you got to start small so i've been just riding a wheelie everywhere and then going down curbs and it's the the more comfortable i become with that you know, the better, but if there's a flight of stairs, I'm not just going to send it. If my buddy's there, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that makes sense because you want to be doing those stairs a long time in the future. So taking time right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's awesome. And, and, <laughs> and through it all, I mean, I, I'm sure our listeners can detect your laughter. You have a tremendous laugh and you have a great ability to, to laugh at situations. You often laugh at yourself. Is that important to you? Has it always been important or has it become more important to, to keep the humor, to keep the lightness, even when you're faced with such adversity? It definitely was important before in my life, but it's become so much more now because like 
as a quadriplegic, there's a lot of moments that I I'm in that are awkward for people. And one reason I, I laugh at myself in those situations is to make them feel more comfortable because they just a lot of people don't know what to do or how to act. So it's like they there's a a weird stigma about people who are have disabilities that it's you have to act a certain way or like now you mentioned that a lot of people don't know how to act around somebody that's quadriplegic. I saw a great video about your your grandma when you were smart enough to her. She certainly knew how to react to you. Oh yeah. Oh, that was uh, one of my good friends, grandmas, and she uh, yeah, she she put me in my place real quick <laughs> <laughs> with a face full of water. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so your good buddies, grandma. I think that's absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, uh, Betty. She's a great lady. That's great. Now, Jake, shifting gears just a little bit. You know, one of your anchors in college was was studying nutrition, and I know that since the accident, you have become a complete advocate of the ketogenic diet and ketogenic lifestyle. In fact, our listeners should all look for the hashtag KetoQuad, K-E-T-O-Q-U-A-D, because these are tweets from Jake that talk about the importance of the diet and the nutrition toward recovery and also toward a better life. You can also check out his Facebook page. Just look for Ceaseless Potential, because these are aspects of, of Jake and how he thinks and how he believes but tell us about this nutritional aspect, about keto, how you how you found it, how it's helped in your recovery. Uh, just share that with us. Uh, yeah. So I, I had always done a, a very normal bodybuilder diet, which was low fat, low carbs, high protein. And I did that for a long time. And I tried a lot of other like paleo and other aspects to it. And I, after my my injury, I had gone back to a bodybuilding diet. So, and one of the things that I never liked about it is it always affected my emotions and my, I always, I started to have like an obsession with food and I had heard about a ketogenic diet, my first bodybuilding show. And I just never, because of it being so high in fat, I thought that it was, you know, it was horrible for you. And you know, that you'd, I'd have a heart attack on it, but everybody I'd, I had met who was doing it felt great. We're losing weight. It was so much different than a bodybuilding diet. And now that there's studies out saying, actually showing that it doesn't affect mortality rate with like heart attacks, that's pretty amazing. But I, I started three years ago and it was more curiosity than anything because there were so many people saying how great it was for them. And I, I've always enjoyed being healthy, obviously. I mean, being lean and strong and being in a wheelchair, you have to be as lean as possible so that you don't destroy your shoulders, really. Because I've even now I've had some shoulder issues. And it's all about preserving your body and being that optimal physical shape. But the thing that I that keeps me on it is that I I feel good all the time. There's no, I don't have any emotional roller coasters. I'm not, I'm not controlled by food. You know, people eat and they get this high and then they crash and there's none of that, which is the, what keeps me on it because honestly, I like feeling good all day. That's <laughs> you know, and among other things, it helps with so many other things like. A lot of clients that I'm working with definitely dropped weight very quickly. Like my stepdad's dropped 80 pounds from, he was 320 
And that was in about six months. And then my sister-in-law, she's been doing it for celiac disease because it gives her way more options. So, I mean, there's so many things that can help with people do like cancer prevention too. So it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, it, well, it really is. And, and for our listeners that are maybe not quite as familiar with it, ketogenic is not a brand name. This is not somebody's product that they packaged up. It's actually one of the most long studied ways of eating began really in the 1920s as a way to try to help people that had epilepsy because they found the connection between eating this way and keeping brain function normal was very, very strong. So this is one of the oldest, uh, I guess, most detailed and researched way of eating. It's not a fad or it's not a freakish new flavor of the month when it comes to how we eat. Dan, I've heard you're doing ketogenic diet. Is that right? Yeah, I got really strict on it right after New Year's. To quote Zig Ziglar, I looked in the mirror and found I had Dunlop's disease. My stomach had done lopped over my belt. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, my wife and I both went on it very strictly. And in six weeks' time, I dropped 17 pounds. And the cool thing about it was I never really felt hungry. I I had always been raised to really reduce fat. Don't do all those things because fat's going to make you fat. Mm -hmm. And as I've done more reading on it, that's, uh, that's really not correct. If I can summarize the basic principles that I was taught, and you're the expert in this, we do want to take 60 to 70% of our calories in the form of healthy fats. We want to do what's called intermittent fasting, which is to have sort of a window of time where we consume our food, try to do it all within six hours or seven hours, and the rest of the time we're just consuming water and things that are, are good for us that way, and almost completely cutting out any kind of processed sugars, things like potatoes, breads, starches, et cetera, because those turn to sugar. And our bodies love sugar because they like to turn it into the wrong kind of fat. So is that a reasonably short summary? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's exactly it. And the the one thing I would add in there is on a ketogenic diet, your metabolism will use saturated fat. So the typical bad fats like animal fat, coconut oil, any saturated fats are good. Like you want to eat those. And the ones I would say to avoid is like canola oil, vegetable oil, because they're all synthetic. They've all been created from a carb essentially. And they're, uh, they're trans fat. Yeah. And that's horrible for you. So just avoid those, those fats, if anything. And like, yeah. Well, I'm sure that people could reach out through you through Facebook to learn a little bit more about keto uh, through your Ceaseless Potential or Jake Herning. Yeah, uh, Instagram's really good avenue as well. Um, it's Keto Quad on Instagram, and then YouTube. I have a, a YouTube channel, Keto Quad. So it's basically everything Keto Quad. <laughs> well, that's excellent. You going to have some wheelchair rugby videos for us? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! <laughs> I'm popping them out. I think that's great. Jake, you've been very giving and sharing of yourself and very open, which we really appreciate. If you were to put into yourself into teacher mode right now, what would be a couple of things that you would advise some of our listeners that are feeling a sense of despair, like their goals are just out of reach, they're not where they want to be, they don't feel good about themselves? What would be some steps that people could start right away today that could help them bring back where they want to be? I would say the first thing, if I was in those situation like despair, is to, to know that this moment is temporary. 
like what you're feeling, what you're going through. It's just temporary. And you get to decide how you react to this situation. You know, it, it may suck really bad and it's, it might be a horrible situation, but you're, you can come out of it a better person. And it's just about taking action and doing those things, not letting despair beat you down and close you off. Uh, lost that one. Um, that's okay. I understand about, about action. There's a really ancient saying, as you recall, action cures fear. Yeah. And if oh, action, action makes a big difference. Yeah. It's with, I mean, without action, we're, we're, we're just not going anywhere. That's the, the bottom line of it. And it's, that creates confidence in yourself just doing those things. And one thing I, I definitely did for a while was I tried to ignore that that happened, but really it's a part of our life. It's a chapter. You need to be able to know that that happened and just move on, you know? Yeah, that happened, but that's fine. So first of all, accept the reality of whatever's happened and, and don't deny that it happened. Exactly. Cause I, when I was first injured, I didn't, I didn't want to post anything on Facebook or Instagram. I don't want to tell people I was very like, Oh, I'll be good in two weeks, you know, and I'll just forget this ever happened. But the reality of it is I had a life changing injury, you know, that is me and that's fine. So share it, let people that I love and care about know about it and just accept it myself is really what it comes down to is accept that I'm here and I can move forward. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and grasp the reality of it. Remind yourself this situation is temporary and do anything to get into action. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That is a, that's a fantastic and memorable formula, Jake. I think it's great. Time flies talking to you, dude. <laughs> this is incredible. Oh yeah, I know, right? <laughs> but I want to thank you. I want to thank you for your unselfishness and giving of your time. And above all, your unselfishness of spirit, because you are helping people every single day. And to me, it's to more than inspiring. You're brilliant. You're brilliant emotionally. You're brilliant intellectually. You're brilliant in relationships. And you are somebody that has ceaseless potential. You never give up. And it's incredible to talk to you, Jake. Thank you so much, Dan. You're a, you're a great man. <laughs> well, oh. I am if you say I am. I'll believe it if you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, please check out Keto Quad. Look for it because for years and years to come, you're going to be seeing much more from this young man, Jake Herning. So Jake, you're phenomenal. Thanks so much for being with us here on The Action Catalyst. Thanks so much for having me. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe. To stay updated on everything that The Action Catalyst is up to, make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst Podcast and Twitter at Catalyst underscore Action. Thanks for listening.